The following message is by Pastor Andrew Beto, pastor of First Baptist Church of Orchard, Texas. More information on First Baptist Church Orchard can be found at fbcorchard.com. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head, wash your head and wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. The word of the Lord. Dear Lord, God, I ask that you would bless the words of my preaching. God, I ask that you would take away any of the things that I am about to say that are not from you that you would help me to clearly articulate your truth in Scripture and that your words spoken through me would find purchase on the hearts of the people here. God, I ask these things in your powerful name. Amen. Please be seated. Last Saturday... I had the opportunity to go to a mosque for Ramadan. And for those of you who know my background, that is a little bit daunting for me because the last time I celebrated Ramadan with people, people were shooting guns. So it was a different kind of experience for me. Um, I got to go into a mosque. The people invited me in. I wasn't kicking the door down. They had smiles on their face. They weren't mad at me. So it was exciting. I mean, I was, I was, it was a plus. Um, We got to go, and and the the idea was we were going to sit down with them, and we were going to hear about, and it was myself and several other pastors from the association and a bunch of other people there, and we were there to hear the the imam of the mosque tell us about what Ramadan meant, and then uh, Daryl Horn from our association stood up and told them about what Christian fasting was. So we talked about fasting, how these different groups of people fasted. And... It was fascinating to see the way that the Muslims fast. They fast every single day for a month. From sunup to sundown, they don't eat anything and they don't drink anything. No water, no food. And they do this every single day for an entire month. Not only do they do that, but every single night, in addition to the prayers that they, that they do five or six times a day, they also go to the mosque and pray together as a group and break their fast together as a group. And I want you to imagine what that would look like for a bunch of Baptists to fast every single day and then go to church every night. Right? So everybody shows up to church hungry. Yeah, that's good. That, that's a recipe for success. Yeah, you got to, yeah. It's a way to keep them to come to church, right? But it, it was this, it was really, really interesting. And, and immediately when we start to talk about fasting like that, our initial response is always, that's workspace salvation, Pastor. Look at how hard they're working to get into heaven. And we, we kind of poo-poo it and we push it off to the side. We don't have a, a good relationship to fasting. We don't really understand it. As evangelicals and as Southern Baptists, we, we have kind of a... Uh, a weird relationship with fasting. You know, there, there are many Christians that fast. We all know that Catholics fast. 
during the month of Lent, or during the 40 days of Lent. We don't really understand how it works, but we know that they that somehow eating fish on Fridays works into it, and Jesus did that somehow. So we're, we're like, okay, whatever. That's kind of a that's a that's a Catholic thing. And if you were to tell somebody, hey, I'm fasting for them, they'd be, are you are you Catholic? No, I'm a Baptist. The Baptists don't fast, so we don't understand it, and, and, and it seems alien to us. But when you start to look at it, fasting is actually an incredibly pervasive element in our society. Most of the people on Earth fast. And we fast for different reasons. The majority of ways that people fast is dieting. Okay? I'm a Weight Watcher. That's what I do. I'm a fat kid. So I have to fast from certain things. I can't, I, sometimes I fast from cake because cakes make me fat. Okay? So I don't eat it. That's a kind of fast. Now, it's not a religious fast. It's a fast for my own health. Before I take a cholesterol test, I fast for 24 hours. <laughs> right? Or at least I'm supposed to fast for 24 hours. You know, and we fast from different things for different reasons. Most of them are not religious. There's also a huge group of people that have used fasting as a political weapon. If any of you guys have ever read the history of India, you know, three, you know, 1.3 billion people rebelled against against uh, the the British that were controlling them. One of the biggest ways that they fasted, or one of the biggest ways that they rebelled, was through hunger strikes. The the British would come in and they try to break up these rebellions and. All the Indians would sit down on the ground and not eat for days and days and days and days. And so now you have all these newspaper images of starving people. It's like, what do you do with that? We're encountering the same thing in Guantanamo Bay. You got prisoners there that are not eating, haven't eaten in months. And so it puts us in the position of, well, what are we going to do with them? You know, force feed them? That looks horrible. You know, let them die? That looks horrible. What are you going to do? It puts you on the horns of a dilemma. So people fast for health reasons and people fast for political reasons and people fast for religious reasons and people have fasted for religious reasons for thousands of years in fact just about every form of religion that people have ever practiced involves some form of fasting it is a powerful powerful tool it has a powerful effect on the people that practice it in fact if you were going to look at, at spiritual disciplines and spiritual gifts, fasting is a, is a tool, but it's a power tool. It, it's an incredibly powerful tool. It's like the difference between using like a, a bow saw and a chainsaw. Fasting somehow and for some reason supercharges all of the spiritual elements that we're involved in. Recently, I cut a bunch of limbs off my tree. I got a notice, a little nasty gram from the city that said, you have to trim all your trees. And I'm cheap, so I did it myself, because I can't. I got a chainsaw, man, right? I got up there, and my chainsaw stopped working. But when my chainsaw stopped working, I had these huge limbs down on the ground. So I had to figure out how to cut them up. And I learned very quickly that it is a good idea to use a power tool, because I'm not 20 anymore, and sawing it by hand was not fun. And, you know, we laugh at that, but oftentimes we try to live out the Christian life, and we don't utilize all of the tools that are at our disposal. It would be like going out there and trying to trim a bunch of trees and using a handsaw to do it. But we do that because we don't understand how to use them. And here's the, here's the kicker. 
Fasting is an incredibly powerful tool, but like all powerful tools, it can be incredibly dangerous if you don't know how to do it appropriately or you, you do it for the wrong reasons. And so Jesus is talking to his disciples here. We're in the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus has just got done talking to them about these different pillars of Judaism. He's talked to them about the way that they're supposed to fat, uh, uh, sorry, the way that they're supposed to give charity. Right? He said, you know, you used to give charity this way. Don't do it that way. Don't do it so other people can see. Give charity this way. He, he just got done talking about the way that they're supposed to pray. He said, you know, don't pray so other people can see you. Pray in secret where your father can see it. Have a genuine prayer relationship. And now he's going to attack this third pillar of Judaism, which was fasting. And he's going to talk to them about the ways that they are supposed to fast, how they should fast. See, fasting is an incredibly powerful tool for a Christian to worship their God. Fasting is, is primarily a form of worship, and it involves giving up something good in order to glorify the one who provided it. And I want you to think about that. It's a way of telling God that you love him more than the gifts that he gives you. See, the, the Jews had a very long history of fasting. They used fasting all the time. So much of their religion was tied up in fasting. In the Old Testament, fasting was, a, was mainly a way to humble yourself before God. In fact, the word that is used for fasting in the book of Moses, in the book of Leviticus, where it talks about fasting in conjunction with the Day of Atonement, is the word to humble yourself. You are facing yourself before God. It usually began with confession of sin and then repentance and then abstention from good things that God had given. So there were people that would abstain from food and they usually abstain from food and from having sex and from cutting their hair and doing some of these other things that were involved in daily life. And it was an idea of setting yourself apart from the daily life so that you could spend time in prayer for God. A lot of times this would be done in conjunction with mourning for your sins. So there's this, this idea that you're humbling yourself before God. You're telling him that you are not in the right place, that you're not doing the things that you should be. And they would do things like rend their clothing. They would tear their clothing. And at a time when, we didn't, when they didn't have Walmart, that was a big deal. I, I went to a, a Jewish funeral and... And they still practice this. As an act of mourning, they would, they would tear their clothing. And, and the, the guidance that the rabbi would give is when you tear your clothing, you're not to do it along a seam. You're supposed to rip in between the seams so that you can't repair it. They, they would cover themselves with ashes, rub dirt in their face. They wouldn't bathe. They would do these things to show that they were broken before God. In fact, my cousin, his mother died. He's Jewish. He grew his beard out. He had this crazy duck dynasty beard. He looked like a, like a Civil War general because he hadn't shaved in a year. And I looked at my wife. I was like, that's awesome. She was like, no, don't even think about it. I can't even get away with no shave November. And this guy gets to grow his beard down to his knees. But, it, but it's this act of giving up good things in order to bless the one who gave them. And they would fast for different reasons. Um, mostly they would fast for repentance of sin. So in, in 1 Samuel, the Israelites fast as a way from turning away from the foreign gods that they'd been worshiping. 
in Jonah, this is a big one. We see that, that Jonah, after he does the, you know, when we read Jonah, we think about Jonah getting swallowed by the whale, he gets coughed back up. But we got to realize that that's not the real story there. I mean, that's part of it. But the real story is that he goes to the enemies of Israel, to a city called Nineveh, and he proclaims that God is going to judge the city. They have been so wicked for so long that God is about to destroy that city completely unless they will repent. And it's one of the few instances in Scripture where, where a Gentile city says, okay, we'll repent. God gets swallowed by a whale, comes back, that's cool. He smells like the sea, tells us to repent, we'll repent. And they fast, and they repent, and God doesn't destroy them. As a total side note here, it's something interesting and important for us to realize that God can and does punish evil, wicked societies. It's something for us to remember. Societies don't just get a pass when they do horrible things all the time. But the, the Ninevites, they, they repented and God forgave them. Fasting was, was practiced prior to doing something dangerous. So when the, the Jews would go into battle, oftentimes they would fast beforehand. They would, they would humble themselves before God. When Esther gets ready to go before the king to, to fight for her people that are in exile in Babylon, she fasts, and all of the people fast. They don't drink food or water so that she'll be prepared and she'll be blessed when she goes in the presence of the king. So fasting is incredibly powerful. It's incredibly powerful. It ties our spirituality into something that is physical and something that is real and something that is immediate. The Jews were a people who fasted as a way of drawing closer to their God. See, in Jewish religion, the blessings that God gave were a sign of his favor for being righteous. It was a, it was a pretty straightforward kind of relationship. If you did what you were supposed to, God would bless you. If you did what you were supposed to, it would rain. The crops would grow. And people wouldn't die. If you did what you were supposed to, God would bless you with lands and property. And so by foregoing these good blessings from God, you were showing him that you cared more about him than the blessings that he gave you. See, fasting is not about rejecting something evil. It's about giving something, giving up something good for the sake of something better. It, it, it's very much like somebody who is in a long-distance relationship. And some of you out there have been in long-distance relationships where, where your husband or your wife or your girlfriend has been gone for months. And all you want to do is talk to them. I, I remember when I was in... When I was in training, I, I was dating Shannon, and I, I wanted to be with her, but I was, I was in Quantico, and, and she, was, she was away in Texas, and, and I would stay up. We would talk for hours on the phone. I'm sure my roommates hated me, and that's okay. We would just talk on the phone, and I'd be falling asleep on the phone, but we just wanted to hear each other's voice. One Friday, I got out of the field. I'd been in the field all week. I got out of the field. I changed my clothes. I got in my car, and I drove eight hours in rush hour traffic from DC to New York because I wanted to see her. I gave up sleep 
I gave up food because she was more important to me than those things. I gave up something good in exchange for something better. That is a shadow of the desire that we are supposed to have for the presence of God. Now, I, I want to be clear here. Fasting is not giving, sup, giving up something that is bad for you. That's called a diet. Okay? That's a diet. It, it's not giving up a sin. Right? I've heard people say, I'm fasting from cursing. I'm fasting from pornography. No, you don't fast from pornography. You don't fast from cussing. That's called repentance. When you don't do a sin, it's called obedience, not fasting. It's like, I don't rob hobos anymore. Oh, goody. Good, good job. You know? No, that's not a fast. Fasting is giving up something good, something wholesome, something God-honoring for a period of time to bring you into closer relationship with God. You are declaring to him that he is more important than the gifts that he gives. See, fasting done properly reminds us that the hunger that we feel inside of us is supposed to point us to God. See, as Christians, we, the hunger that we have for bread is a symbol of the hunger that we're supposed to have for the bread of heaven, right? The thirst that we're supposed to have is supposed to be a thirst that points us to the thirst for living water. And when we, when we fast from these things, we put our life in proper perspective, and that is incredibly powerful. That is incredibly powerful, but it's incredibly dangerous because it can be twisted and it can be done for the wrong reasons and in the wrong ways. And so Christ is cautioning his disciples that they have to do this appropriately or it doesn't work. It doesn't matter. It's dangerous. Fasting is dangerous because it not because it's life-threatening. Guys, I know in, a, in American culture, we think that if I don't go without three meals a day, I'm going to die, right? If I don't have my 11sies, if I don't have my little, my little 11 o'clock snack, then I'm, I'm going to burst into flame. I'm going to die, okay? You can go 40 days without food. 40 days. 40 days. That last week, not so good. But the first three weeks, you can do okay. Fasting does not and is not life-threatening if you do it appropriately, okay? That's not why it's dangerous. It is dangerous because it is so effective that it can lead you to an improper view of who you are and it can lead you to an improper view of your relationship with God. When it is done properly for the appropriate, for the, when it's done improperly for in, with inappropriate means, it leads to pride, and self-righteousness. Matthew 6, 16, he says, When you fast, do not look somber like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces to show others that they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. See, a lot of times, people would fast to build their reputation. And I, I will tell you, I've been, I've been guilty of this. There's been times in the past when I fasted, and I'm like, this is wasted. Nobody gets to see that I'm fasting. 
I gotta figure out how to make it look like I'm fasting without somebody know, without me telling them that I'm fasting so that they'll know that I'm holy, but I don't have to say it. Otherwise, all this work, I mean, it's going to nothing. But fasting isn't about your reputation. It's about developing your relationship to God. For the Jews, we talked about this, fasting was an act of deep worship. The, the Jews would fast four times a year as a people. As a people, they would fast four times a year. They'd, they'd fast on the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur. They'd fast on the day that the first temple fell as an act of mourning. They would fast on Purim, which was the celebration of when they were rescued from the Babylonians. That's, that's Esther, right? The whole Esther story. That's the Feast of Purim. They would fast on a day that on the day that represented the, the Ten Commandment tablets being broken. So they would fast as a people quarterly. Or you imagine what that would be like if we fasted quarterly. Quarterly we go in over there and eat a lot of food. So it's kind of the same thing. There was also systematic fasting that was held every year around the time of the harvest. And, and what they would do is in Israel, if you don't start getting rain around September, then you're in a lot of trouble because it means that the reservoirs aren't going to be built up and it means that the crops aren't going to be able to live. And so what they would do is if they didn't start getting rain by the first part in October, they would have a hand-picked group of people that would start fasting and they would fast three times a week. They would fast on Monday, Thursday, and then they would fast the following Monday. And then they would see if the rains fell. And if the rains didn't fall, then they do it again. And they do it again. And they would do it all the way through until Passover. And if the rains hadn't fallen by Passover, then the entire people would go into a, into a prolonged period of fasting. The whole country would fast for three or four days to make God return the rain. Okay? And I want you to think about the amount of of respect that would have been given to the people that were fasting three times a week for the nation in order for there to be rain. These men were lionized. These men were heroes to the people. And if you were a guy that fasted and then God brought the rain, man, your ticket was written. Nobody could say anything bad about you. And one, one of the stories that they have in the, in the, in the uh, Jewish Mishnah, which is their kind of like their... Uh, Bible, a bunch of writings, stuff that was written down. It talks about one guy who none of his enemies could speak out badly against him because he was one of these fasters. And so all of his enemies had to come into the public square and had to praise him publicly and, and couldn't do anything to him because he was one of these fasters. And, and I want you to think about the self-righteousness, the pride that that would foster. I mean, I'm a guy that makes it rain. I'm a rainmaker. I'm literally a rainmaker. Literally a rainmaker. Wow. How far can you fall from that? Not very, not very far from that to be a guy who, who's a faster, who wants people to know that he's a faster. Maybe he's like, hey, you know, kind of a big deal kind of got chosen by the Sanhedrin to fast for the people. You know, I kind of want my, my military discount. I want my, uh, my faster discount. I'm going to contort my face so you know that I'm fasting right now. So maybe, you know, maybe you give me a little bit of extra stuff. 
They would contort their faces with hunger. They would cover themselves with filth. But they didn't do it out of a sense of shame for the sin of the people. They did it out of a desire for other people to see them. And Christ is clear. These people are not honoring God. They're honoring themselves. And their fast doesn't mean anything. See, fasting is not about your reputation. And it's also not about mortifying the body. Another bad place that fasting can go is this belief that, that the body is evil and I have to overcome it. Right? That, I, that I've got to destroy the evil body. This comes from a, from a Greek heresy that came in called dualism that taught that the body and nature is evil and that the spirit is good and that what we have to do is we have to escape the body. If we can escape the body, right? if we can sacrifice the body, then the spirit will, 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 will attain this higher level of consciousness. This, this broke into Christianity after Jesus after Jesus was resurrected, there, there were people that would come in and as more and more Gentiles got brought into the faith, they, they would bring this dualism in and, and there was this idea that we have, to, we have to escape from all things that are fleshly. We have, to, we have to conquer the flesh. And this grew as a cancer in the faith. And Paul spoke about it and Peter spoke about it. They said, no, the body is good. These things are good gifts. We're, we're not... We're not doing these things because the body is bad. We're doing them so we can get closer to God. But this cancer existed there. Once Christianity become, became the, the national religion of the Roman Empire and people were no longer being martyred and people were no longer suffering for, for their faith, there was a group of people that said, you know, Christianity got too easy. There, it's the, all the hard's gone. So what we're going to do is we're going to become ascetic. We're going we're gonna to become spiritual athletes. Like that, like that runner who's got to go out there and run farther and farther to get that, that high. Like You ever seen these guys, these super marathon runners, like mega marathons, like 50 miles at a time? That's crazy. And, and these guys would do the same thing. They would go to ever more extents to mortify the body. They would go and live out in the desert in caves by themselves and, and eat, eat bugs and, and do crazy stuff. Some of them didn't do that, though. Some of them... Would, would be ascetic inside the city. They would, and this is not made up, this is real. They would live on top of pillars. They would live up on top of a pillar and people would like bring them food and water and the people would sit at the base of this pillar and venerate this guy because he was, he was mortifying his flesh. One of the guys, Simon the Stylite, was so, was so loved and sought after that people would sit underneath the pillar and wait to catch the worms that fell off his body. That's crazy. But you can see how this becomes about your pride and your ability to overcome it, your ability to, to overcome sin. Fasting is not about escaping an evil world. It's about giving up something good as a sign that God is more important. It is about God. It's not about you. Probably the worst Danger from fasting, though, is self-righteousness. We see an example of this in, in the Gospel of Luke where, where Jesus talks about two men that are in the temple. One man is right up here in the Amen pew, right in front of the altar. He's standing up and he's saying, God, thank you that I am not like this sinner over here, this tax collector. I fast three times a week, give a tenth of everything I have. And the other guy was standing off to the side at the back of the synagogue saying, have mercy on me, God, I'm a sinner. And Jesus said, 
the man who humbled himself before God left the synagogue justified. And the other man did not. See, it's easy to fall into the trap of the self-righteous Pharisee because he was doing the right things. He was doing the things that he was supposed to do. He was doing the hard things for God. He wasn't a bad guy. He was a good guy. If he came through the doors there, I'd be like, hey, man, come on. Why don't you join our church? I know you're tired. Come on. That's the guy you want. You want the guy who's going to do the stuff he's supposed to do. But he was doing it because it was a mountain that he could climb for his own glory. He was doing it because he thought that it justified him before God. Because he wanted to come into the presence of God under his own power. As his own man. He was special. And this sense of specialness was the problem. His righteousness pointed to his own ability, not to the mercy of God. And so Jesus tells him, this guy is not justified. He's gotten his glory. But all of his sins stay on him. See, fasting is important. It is powerful. It supercharges our prayer life. But if you don't do it properly, it can destroy you. When I was in construction, we'd go through these different classes. We had to go through an OSHA class. Some of you guys know what an OSHA 30 class is. I had to go through that. And in OSHA 30, we learned all these different case studies of guys that had done something bad. Either they hadn't shored up their trenches properly or they were you know, doing different things that were, that were uh, unsafe. One of the classes was talking about using tools appropriately. And they were talking about how you should never try to pull telephone poles out of the ground with a bucket truck. Okay, bucket truck is like a truck, it's got an arm, got a bucket, and so some guys would figure, hey, I know what we'll do. To pull, the, to pull the post out of the ground, we'll put the bucket over there, we'll chain up to this pole, and we'll start cranking on it, and it'll pull it up out of the ground. Well, it takes a ridiculous amount of force to pull that post out of the ground. And so, I want you to imagine this. You have, here's the bucket, here's the little guy sitting in the bucket, and it's getting pulled, he's cranking on it, and the hydraulics are pulling it, and pulling it, and pulling it, and pulling it. At some point, something breaks, and it's not the pole, and it's not the arm. It's the chain holding the arm to the pole. And so it throws the guy out, and he dies. I mean, it's not really funny. It's really tragic. But he used a tool inappropriately. He did something in a way that, that it wasn't supposed to be done. He used an incredibly powerful tool. He abused it. And he died because of it. And that's the mentality that we have to have when we come to fasting. This is incredibly powerful. But if we don't do it right, it can hurt us far more than it helps us. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't fast. It means that we should fast appropriately. It means that we should learn how to use the tools that God has given us. Christianity is way too difficult to do without the, ta without the tools that he's given us to do them with. Fasting is dangerous and powerful, but we've got to learn how to use it properly. Matthew 6, 17 through 18 finishes it up, and he says, But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. See, Christians should fast because Jesus told us to fast, right? 
He doesn't say, you know, if you guys decide maybe you might want to fast, which I don't recommend, you know, maybe you should. No, it says when you fast. It's assumed. It's assumed because Jesus fasted. We know that Jesus went into the desert for 40 days and fasted before he had his, his, uh, his temptation from the devil. He, he, Jesus commanded the disciples that there were certain things that they couldn't do without fasting. You remember when the, the, the demon-possessed man comes up and the disciples come up to Jesus and they're like, oh, what happened? We can't, make, we can't drive the demon out. He's like, this only works with prayer and fasting. There's certain things that you can't do without prayer and fasting. So he doesn't tell them not to fast. He tells them that they're supposed to fast in a particular way. First, they're to fast privately, not in front of other people. They're not to make themselves ostentatious when they fast. It says they're supposed to anoint themselves with oil. Now, I want to be clear here. This does not mean that you should come up here and buy my $20 bottle of special fasting oil that I've got straight from the Holy Land. It's guaranteed to make your fast good. And then pour it all over your head. If you don't anoint yourself with olive oil normally, don't anoint yourself with olive oil when you go and fast. It means groom yourself. Okay? If you take a shower, take a shower. Don't stink. Don't draw attention to yourself when you fast. Do it in private because it's between you and God. If we fast corporately, right? If, if at some point we decide to fast as a church for a decision or for prayer, that's cool. But we shouldn't all come in here moping like, oh, I'm fasting, look, I shaved my head. No. We're supposed to fast corporately in private. Christians should fast because the church fasted. The church made up of the people that followed Christ, that met Christ, that talked to Christ, fasted extensively after Jesus had gone. They fasted. They fasted before they selected the successor to Judas. They fasted before they sent out Paul and Barnabas. They, they fasted all the time. Paul fasts constantly. Christians should learn the spiritual discipline of fasting because it's a powerful tool to build faith and deepen prayer life. And brothers and sisters, if anybody needs to fast, it is American Western Christians who are immersed in the blessings of God, who have become so used to the blessings that God has given us that we have a hard time hearing the voice of God in our life. We have come to a place where we see God as Santa Claus who is here to meet my every wish, who's here to, to give me the things that I want, to do the things that, that I need. And we have got to break that. We have got to come to a place where the blessings of God are not more important than the blessor, that the gift is not better than the giver. That we love God regardless of whether he's blessing us or not. And one of the biggest tools that we have to get to that place is fasting. Fasting is scary. Fasting is alien. So I'm not telling you guys to go out and, and start fasting for a week tomorrow. But what I am saying is that you need to begin to integrate fasting into your prayer life. I would recommend that every person here in prayer find a time when you can fast. A good way to fast is to fast from 
dinner to, to lunch. So what you do is you, you eat your dinner the night before and you go into a period of fasting. And you fast until dinner the next day. So you don't eat breakfast and don't eat lunch. You don't do this because you're trying to mortify the body or you want people to think that you're awesome. You do this because you want to be reminded of God in your life. You want to be reminded of the hunger that you should have for the Spirit. And it will not kill you. Now, if you have medical issues, some of you are diabetic, don't fast. Okay? If you're pregnant, don't fast. If you have issues with your blood sugar, don't fast. This is not a salvation thing. I am not telling you that if you don't fast, you're not going to go to heaven. I'm telling you that fasting is a tool that will allow you to grow closer to God. You don't have to just fast from food either. If you have issues with your blood sugar and issues with, with other things in your life, you can fast from other things that are important to you. The key is to do it prayerfully and to integrate it into your relationship with God so that it points to God, not to your own self-reliance. Brothers and sisters, this church is under spiritual attack every day. We see God blessing us, and we see demonic attack. We see people getting sick. We see all kinds of issues. This is too hard for us to try to fight this battle without the tools that God has given us. So I would encourage you, in the next month, find a day and set it aside for prayer and fasting. Pray for this church. Pray for our children's ministry. Pray for guidance. Pray for yourself. But fast and pray. In a moment, we're going to have a time of invitation. And if you have never experienced Christ, if you've never experienced uh, that deep desire to know Christ, that hunger for the bread of life, that thirst for the, for the water of life, God, I would ask that you would come forward and we'll pray with you. If you don't have a church home, we would love to have you with us. We would love to walk with you. But either way, please come forward. If, you, if you're embarrassed or you don't want to, just come and find me afterwards and we'll talk. Please bow your heads with me. Dear sweet Jesus, God, we thank you for the blessings you've given us. We thank you for being a good God who gives good gifts. And Lord, we ask that we would have the strength and the courage to be able to give those gifts up to you every now and then to show you that you are more important than the gifts that you've given us. God, we ask you for the strength to be able to do this. And we ask these things in your holy name. Amen.